This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome along to the Premier League weekend review show right here on the Football Social Daily. The World Cup countdown is on, but the Premier League remains centre stage this weekend. Ten games across the last 48 hours. Big drama at Anfield as Leeds delivered a Halloween nightmare for Jurgen Klopp. Five-star Arsenal are back on top of the Premier League table as they hacked down the Nottingham Forest. And no Haaland, but no problem for Manchester City. Kevin De Bruyne's impressive form continued as he bagged himself a wonder goal away at Leicester. All that to come in part one and part two of the show, plus reaction to Cristiano Ronaldo's Premier League return and Graham Potter's trip back to Brighton. And then to wrap it all up, we'll be delving into the final five games of the weekend. Some big, big wins for Newcastle and Tottenham. So, plenty to get through as always on Sunday night. My name's Fergal Brennan and on duty we have freshly back from Old Trafford the Stretford Paddocks, Jay Motti. Jay, how are we doing? I'm all right. I've just had to take two paracetamol because that second half gave me a headache. It was <laughs> it was proper back to the wall. I'll take the three points though. That's a, a slight sign of getting old and a slight sign of being a Manchester United fan in, uh, in 2022. So don't be too hard on yourself, Jay, okay? Fair enough. Fair enough indeed. Uh, and alongside Jay, comfortably outshining Ronaldo's return. Who cares? As we've got Man City and BBC <laughs> presenter Natalie Pike back on the Football Social Daily. How are we doing, Nat? I'm really good, thanks. Yes, I'm making my triumphant return after an 18-month break. Wow, that's worse than a cruciate. You'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd, you'd, uh, you'd have had longer off if you'd uh, snapped your cruciate. But it's great to have you back uh, and uh, a nice little Ronaldo dig to really welcome you back. Love it, that's what we like. We're going to talk about Ronaldo and uh, Manchester City in a little bit more detail later on. But Jay, we're going to kick off the show with Arsenal 5-0 win at home to Nottingham Forest. That puts them back on top of the Premier League table and a bit of pressure surrounded them going into this Manchester City winning at Leicester yesterday meant that they had to react and that seems to be a sentence that's floating around with Arsenal a lot at the minute are they going to react can they react and they did boy oh boy did they react Gabriel Martinelli Thomas Partey Martin Erdegaard with goals and Reese Nelson slightly forgotten man at the Gunners bagged two five nil three points Arsenal's biggest win of the Premier League season so far. As reactions go, this is probably as good as it gets. 
I mean, yeah, you, you can't fault it. Emphatic 5-0 win. Okay, Nottingham Forest aren't exactly tearing up trees, but to, to beat them and beat them in that, that manner, you have to give Arsenal credit. And you've got to give them credit for this season because I don't think anyone saw this start to the season coming from Arsenal. You know, I've been on this the, the, the channel a few times and there's almost this sort of sense of, oh, Arsenal doing well. When are the wheels going to fall off? But week in, week out, you know, they've, they've only dropped, what, you know, one loss and one draw all season. They're at the top of the table for a reason. And, you know, I've always thought it's going to be City's title to lose. But if they keep going, then they can certainly be in that conversation. And stranger things have happened. You never know. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's all just going right for the minute. I think, obviously, they made some good signings. They've brought in players from City for, in the likes of Jesus and uh, Zinchenko. We've got that winning mentality. They're getting the best out of some of these younger players like Martinelli and uh, Mikhail Saka. And it, it just seems like, and I rarely say this about Arsenal, it seems like a really happy camp. Usually at Arsenal, and you know better than anyone, Fergal, there's some sort of drama, there's some sort of falling out, the captain's not happy, the manager's, you know, the people are calling for his head, it's all popping off with the owners. Yeah, at the moment, whenever I look at Arsenal, everything seems to be pretty rosy and pretty happy, and you can tell by the results they've been getting because, you know, they're flying for a reason, they're doing well. I'd just like to say... Jay warned me before we started recording about cheesy comments and he's just said Arsenal are not pulling up any trees by beating Forest. Do you know Forest. what? I wish I was that so, witty. It was completely you know unintentional. Wow. Was, uh, do you know what okay, I mean? I mean, I'm, I do love a just, dad joke, but yeah, I didn't even get that one myself. Sorry. <laughs> that's, uh, that's your warning. I'm going to try and slip in some uh, some Halloween cheesiness just to, just to upset Jay later on, if they come to me. Uh, looking at this from a Manchester City perspective, Nat, Manchester City were top of the table yesterday uh, going into this one. Arsenal at Forest because they beat Leicester in the early kickoff on Saturday. As it stands now, 12 games gone. Arsenal 31 points and Man City 29. Liverpool, who we'll touch on in a second, are all the way down in ninth. Chelsea in sixth. United in fifth. When the World Cup rolls around, that'll be about a third of the season done. Then when we come back, there's a busy run of games to get to the halfway stage. Are you expecting it to be Arsenal that are going to challenge City the most? Whether they stay the course or not, do you think it is going to be a case of if anybody can stop City defending their title, it's Arsenal? Well, yeah, because you have to show Arsenal a huge amount of respect for the fact, you know, they are top of the league, you know, as it stands. I do think, though, that this season is really, really weird. Obviously, with the World Cup, you know, coming in, what, three weeks today, the World Cup starts, two more Premier League games until that. It almost feels like, you know, who knows what's going to happen after the World Cup? Who knows how exhausted the players are going to be? You know, God forbid anybody gets any injuries, you know, during the World Cup. So I think it's really, really hard to predict what is going to happen you know come post world cup come you know boxing day when we're back on it again in the premier league obviously though looking at the table you've got to say arsenal you know they've been really consistent this season apart from that bizarre uh, game at old trafford where they got beat hmm, i don't know what was going on there jay um but uh, you know, apart from that you've got to respect them you know although tottenham are sitting in third i still never know what to expect from spurs you know sometimes they they're really good sometimes they're not so it, you know when it comes to spurs i don't know obviously newcastle flying at the minute can and they go the whole course and then United obviously in great great form at the minute started the season shocking and then you know Chelsea so it just feels like everybody's you know with the exception of City and Arsenal is a bit hit and miss so I think you would have to say you know that that, that it is going to be at this point it's going to be Arsenal or City and do you know what I love it it's, it's nice to have a different team challenging us 
And it's just another bit of terrifying pressure for Arsenal that not only are Arsenal fans wanting them to be in the title race, all other 18 teams are hoping that they can at least challenge City. Uh, so no pressure, Arteta, but you've just got the weight of most of the <laughs> Premier League on your shoulders. Uh, we're going to move on, Jay, to Anfield. Liverpool won, Leeds United 2. This was the Saturday night game last night. And very strange having a game at this time of night. Obviously, there's been changes to the formatting and the schedule of the Premier League in, in the last few weeks. And, and Jurgen Klopp won't have got to bed too early and he's probably been kept up by a few nightmares because this was the end of a 29-game unbeaten streak in the Premier League at Anfield. But it's actually the continuing of a streak of inconsistency for this season. An error early on from Joe Gomez and Alisson gave a goal to Leeds. Mohamed Salah equalised and then Christy Crisensicio Somerville I hope I've pronounced his name right there got the winner for Leeds is this just how it's going to go for Liverpool particularly before the World Cup they have a really impressive performance against Man City and get three points then they lose to Nottingham Forest they beat Ajax in the Champions League and then they lose to Leeds they've got Napoli in midweek which will determine whether or not they get top spot in the Champions League are Liverpool just going to have to roll with the punches certainly between now and the World Cup yeah, maybe. I mean, they've still got quality players. They just looked... I watched this game last night. Listen, it tells you how much I don't like Liverpool, the fact that I was cheering when Leeds scored. But wow. they just look all over the place. And players that are usually, you know, you can rely on, like the likes of Thiago and, and Firmino and players like that who, you know, think, oh, yeah, they're going to cause you problems. They just didn't look at it at all. And defensively as well, the likes of Trent and, and Robertson and Van Dijk. And Gomez, of course, who had that horrendous mistake. You know, this is usually a pretty solid team. With, with, with a solid back four and, and quality midfield and, 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 you know, a lot of danger up front. And it just didn't seem like that at all. And Leeds, I thought, were good value for the win. They had a couple of chances. I think Patrick Bamford, if his control had been better, he had a bit of a bit of a tapping. But, yeah, it's really weird. And we've seen this with, with Liverpool before, I think, you know, a couple of seasons ago where they were all over the place and they went on that late run to get into the top four. At one point, it didn't look like they were going to get into top four. I still think there's enough, there's enough games left for them to, to get their act together. You know, I think Klopp mentioned some of the injuries they had, which is a bit daft when you're losing at home to Leeds and you're blaming injuries, especially when you look at the players they still had. But the likes of, um, I think it was Jota and Diaz, he was pointing out, are missing. So they've got players to come back into the team. I just, I always think you can sort of write Liverpool off at, at your peril. But I've seen them a few times this season and by the City game, They've looked all over the gaff, so it'll be interesting to see whether they can get their act together. A lot of people are looking at Klopp, aren't they, going, it's his seventh season syndrome that he's had before, but I just think it's too t uh, too early to write him off. They have got some quality players. I don't think they're, they're out of it yet, and I think that if they can have a little bit of a run and maybe use the World Cup to get their act together, then who knows what's going to happen. Leeds' situation, Nat, is obviously buoyant on the back of last night, but prior to this game, it's been pretty dreadful for them. Two points from eight Premier League games ahead of going to Anfield last night. And this is a big result, particularly for the fans. You look at the away end, they're obviously delighted because they've won away at a rival. We know that Liverpool and Leeds fans do not get on as a rule. This is one of them results where the fans will be delighted. Jesse March last weekend was top of the sack race and that hasn't actually changed despite this result. He's still the most likely Premier League manager to be sacked. He said he hoped this would be a catalyst, the performance, the energy at the end of the game. It could be a catalyst for Leeds, but will he still be in charge between now and the World Cup or potentially after the World Cup? 
Yeah, well, f- first of all, Fergal, Liverpool fans don't get on with anybody, do they? Literally nobody, everybody, nobody likes Liverpool <laughs> anymore, do they? Like, and the Liv- I think the Liverpool fans love that as well, the fact that nobody likes them. So, um, you know, very happy, just like Jay. Little cheer from me when Leeds scored. Um, but yeah, things were definitely looking bleak for, for Jesse Marsh. You know, four successive defeats and, um, you know, certainly some questions being asked around him. However, I think, to be fair, for the times that I have seen Leeds United this season, I do think they, 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 they have played well. I think perhaps some of the results have been a bit harsh or, you know, they've just not had a bit of luck in some of them. You know, they played really well against Arsenal, um, but obviously it didn't, didn't go their way. So I think, you know, this is a well-deserved, you know, win. I saw the some of the game and the highlights and, they you know, they really, really deserve it. They didn't like Liverpool had any time on the ball at all. Obviously, um, a mistake, you know, and, and, they, and by Liverpool and, and they took it. So I think, you know, certainly he's, he's fine this year. Um, and I, I, you know, I feel like perhaps you know, if luck starts going on his side, I think he'll be fine, you know, for the season. And I, and I do expect Leeds to stay up. Jay, would you agree with that? Jesse March is under pressure, regardless of this big result for them last night. He is, as I say, still the Premier League manager most likely to be sacked, according to the bookies. Ralph Hasenhutl is second. Do you think he's still on? Borrow time. I feel like he is, but like that said, you know, I, I was impressed with these. And, and do you know what? There's a there's something about Jesse Myers I quite like. I quite like the way he was acting during the game and after the game, and he sort of wears that. Is that because it's Liverpool or just because it's Jesse March? Well, there's always an element of that. You know, he, he's given himself a, done himself a massive favour in, in my house anyway by being Liverpool. But you know, that sort of you know showing his excitement, showing his emotions, not afraid to sort of you know at the end hugging all his players, and I quite like that. And he was pretty honest. And I think if you watched his interview before the game, he spoke about the way to, that they had to approach it. They did that and they got the win. Now if he can take that into to other games, he'll give himself a fighting chance. I just feel obviously like it's been mentioned. You know the run's been awful. I think the only point they picked up was one was in it when of, of late was when he wasn't even in the dugout because he'd been banned yeah, or whatever he'd game. been sent to the stands, which you know <laughs> says it all. When you looks not when you looks not in, it's not in, is it? Um, but listen, regardless of how poor Liverpool are, or whatever, a win at Anfield is huge. It is, and now they've got to build on that. They've got to use that, and they've got some good players there. I was impressed with a, a few of the players that I saw, especially the, the young lad that came on. Um, oh, what's sorry, I forgot his name. Um, the, the, not the just a goal scorer there was a lad that came on late on I think he's an 18 year old um, was it Wilfried Unonto Ungonto sorry I'm pronouncing that all sorts of wrong Unotto. but he impressed me that's it thank you got me out of jail there <laughs> um, so yeah they've got some good players they've got a you know, they've shown that team spirit and if they can get behind this manager then hopefully they can get themselves well. I say hopefully, barring yesterday I don't really want Leeds to do well to be honest with you, but <laughs> from a Leeds point of view hopefully they can get they can carry on. Uh, two of Leeds' newest fans, Nat Pike and Jay Motti, delighted with three points for them away at Anfield. Uh, Liverpool end the weekend in ninth, 16 points from 12 games and Leeds are 15th, 12 games played and 12 points on the board. We're going to take a little break here on the Football Social Daily. After the break, we're talking the defending champions, KDB, doing the business for City away at Leicester. A big result for them as they look to chase down Arsenal. We're going to be talking about that and all the other Premier League action after the break. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Hello and welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Before the break, it was Anfield and Leeds United's 2-1 win away at Liverpool and a 5-0 thrashing of Nottingham Forest by table toppers Arsenal. So, on the back of Arsenal, we're going to now talk about Manchester City. Nats, no Haaland. No problem away at Leicester yesterday. <laughs> Three points, but just the one goal. And what a goal from Kevin De Bruyne. Pep Guardiola gave an interesting post-match uh, press conference where he declared his undying love for Kevin De Bruyne and said that in seven seasons together, they've done everything short of share a bed. He's clearly <laughs> enamoured with what Kevin De Bruyne can do. And based on the goal yesterday and the performance yesterday, you can't really blame him. He was brilliant. Yeah, he's phenomenal. Pep and him do have a very special, special relationship. Um, but yeah, he was absolutely world class. Now, I did say um, in our pre-match show before the game that I was more concerned with the result than the performance yesterday because we, you know, we've not been at our best for a number of games now. Uh, for me, it's definitely a case of get to the World Cup now. You know, there's four games left for us: a Champions League game that that means nothing because we've we've already finished top of the group, um, and then we've got two two Premier League games at home. And and the Carabao Cup game against Chelsea at home as well. We've got four game, four home games on the trot now, which definitely goes you know in our favour. So for me, it was very much about the result and not the performance. Um, you know, I think that Leicester did a really, really good job of shutting us out. Their game plan worked perfectly, and it took a world class free kick from the best midfielder in the world. And it's not me saying that; that was Erling Haaland tweeting that. Um, you know, but of course we all agree um, to to break the deadlock. And he just you know. Kept Kevin De Bruyne is absolutely phenomenal. He has not been at his best this season. So imagine, you know, he's doing that when he's not at his best. Imagine if he hits his best form, what he, what he could do. Yeah. Jay, you've had to gritted teeth praise Leeds before the break. I'm going to ask you now about Kevin De Bruyne. We mentioned last weekend about this idea of the importance to Manchester City, Erling Haaland smashing in goals and tearing the Premier League to pieces. But Kevin De Bruyne has been doing what Kevin De Bruyne does, which is quietly and almost casually going about his business as the best midfielder in the Premier League and arguably the best midfielder in the world. Is he the best player in the Premier League right now? Um, he's got to be up there, hasn't he? Seriously, I mean, whenever I've watched him, especially, you know, against United, he's, he's been amazing. So it's difficult to say he's not, at least in that conversation, all fans of uh, clubs will be arguing, oh, there's this player, there's that player. But I watched, um, I didn't watch all the game yesterday, I saw the free kick though. And it's, you know, sometimes in a title race or when you win a title, you look back at those types of moments and you think, yes, you know, the games against the other teams who are challenging for the title are important. But it's those ones where, you know, as Nat was saying, let's start a yeah. game plan where you just need that something special, just that little moment to get you those three points and you look back at the end of the season you go you know what if it wasn't for that we might not have been able to get over the line and you know when you see a free kick hit like that in off the post as far as where you can get it from the goalkeeper while still getting in you've just got, even as United fan, you just got to hold your hands up and say that's different class you can't fault him <laughs> and I just hope that he, he decides to, to move on soon because I'm sick of the sight of him to be honest with you <laughs> Never. No, I think that's an absolute wishful thinking. Somebody that could be moving on is uh, the next topic of discussion, Jay. Obviously, we're going to throw across to you, freshly back from Old Trafford this afternoon. Manchester United won, West Ham nil. Marcus Rashford bagging his 100th Manchester United goal. Obviously, nobody wants him to leave. Everybody loves Marcus Rashford. But somebody that could be on their way out is Cristiano Ronaldo back in the Premier League starting 11 after missing out, shall we say, against Chelsea last weekend for disciplinary reasons. 
he blanked or ignored or threw shade or whatever the kids are saying these days to Gary Neville before the game, refused Ooh. to shake his hand or at least didn't bother shaking his hand. Um, this sideshow needs to end at some stage, Jay. Gary Neville, in fairness to him, is saying what a lot of United and a lot of Premier League fans are saying, which is that this needs to stop because it's distracting so much attention off Manchester United and what Eric Ten Hag is trying to do. They won today against a good West Ham side and he's still one of the big topics of conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I couldn't care less whether he shakes Gary Neville's hand or not. I think that's just a complete non-story for me anyway. The, obviously, the walking off the pitch um, early against Spurs was an issue. I didn't know it at the time. I was at the game. I hadn't noticed, even though he, I'm near the tunnel. Um, but I thought Eric Ten Hag handled it well. I thought, you know, he disciplined him. He set out that marker. You know, no matter how big you are, how big a player you are, if you break the rules, then you're going to get punished. Ronaldo's come back. He, you know, he got his goal against Sheriff. I didn't think he played particularly well today, even being honest with you. I thought he, he was a little bit off the pace. And at times, there seems to be the one thing I've, the issue I've got with Ronaldo, and it. You know, it's sort of something that keeps coming up again and again. It seems to be this sort of desire or this, not even a desire, it's like this obsession with certain players to get the ball to Ronaldo. We've got to get it to Ronaldo. Let's try and play Ronaldo in when there's better options on it. On, and I know he's Ronaldo, so you're thinking, well, you've given it, you know, he's one of the, the, the goats, but he's not the Ronaldo of old. And I think you have to sort of look to play the, the, the pass that's on for for the team, not just for Ronaldo. And I noticed it a few times a day where I'm thinking there was a better option for, for Bruno in particular a couple of times where he was trying to pick him out. And I think that's a, a troubling trait that United need to, to address because you can't rely on Ronaldo, even like he did last season to get you 20 odd goals, whatever it was, he got 18 in the Premier League. I don't think that's going to happen this season. You were pointing out before we um, started recording that this is only the second time he's finished 90 minutes. The last time in the Premier League, last time was against Brentford. Um, so, We've just got to be, be realistic about what we can expect from Cristiano Ronaldo. And for me, when the likes of, of Anthony and, and Martial are fit, because I think, you know, obviously they were missing today, then I don't expect him to start many games in the Premier League. And I think Eric Ten Hag's got to be strong about that. He's got to be honest and strong about when he needs Cristiano Ronaldo. And if Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't like it, then, you know, there's a January transfer window. He can, he can go again and try and get the move that he would in the summer. What's your take on this, Nat? Because... There is so many different opinions on how Ten Hag has handled the situation, how Ronaldo has handled the situation, the club, and all of these swirling variables. And and this issue that I mentioned uh, to Jay with Gary Neville before the game, you then have the polar opposite of Roy Keane, who's really going into bat for Ronaldo. And based on the player that he is and what he did last season and previously for Manchester United, he, he kind of hinting that he should be given a bit more leeway. Whichever way you look at this, this almost civil war that's going on, whether you're interested in it, as, as a United fan, Jay saying he, he couldn't care less about these things, and I, I agree with him there. It, it is going to keep continuing as long as Cristiano Ronaldo is there. You've got two big individuals like Neville and Keane completely polarised in their opinion about a player that, in the best-case scenario, he's probably only got six months left as a Manchester United player at most. I think it's hugely distracting for Manchester United. I think that I actually think Eric Ten Hag's handled it really well. Um, similar to, you know, Mikel Arteta handling Aubameyang. You know, I think that, you know, in hindsight, how well did he, you know, did he handle that now? How much of an impact has that had on Arsenal now? I think the best thing for uh, United and the best thing for Ronaldo is for him to leave as soon as possible. I know there's sporting Lisbon rumours um, floating around today. And I think if they could get rid of him in January to sporting Lisbon, then I think they should. Um, he, I just think he's hugely 
she disrespected the club, you know, walking off, not clapping the fans. The fact, you know, he wanted to go in the summer. He wanted to leave. He was jumping ship. They didn't get in the Champions League. He didn't want to be there anymore. You know, they you know, they welcomed him back with open arms. They welcomed him back like the second coming. And he's just showing them now, you know, what he really thinks of them. I just think that he's, he's got no, he doesn't care about the fans. He doesn't care about the club. You know, he, I just think he's, he's, he's there for the money now. And as soon as he, as soon as they can get rid of him, they should, because it is distracting because we're not talking about how well they've been playing lately. We're talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I, I don't see this going any other way than him him going probably sooner rather than later. But on a positive side for Manchester United, three points against West Ham moves them up to fifth, 23 points after 12 games. And the Hammers stay in 13, 13 games played and 14 points. Before we take a break in part two, I want to flip back to Saturday's action and Graham Potter's return to Brighton, Jay. On paper, this looked as if it was going to be fairly straightforward, a stroll by the seaside for Graham Potter. It was all very nice <laughs> in midweek, everyone paying each other compliments and patting each other on the back. Uh, Roberto De Zerbi hadn't read the script because he managed to get his first win as Brighton boss since replacing Graham Potter, and they gave Chelsea a bit of a slap. Two own goals, granted, did give them a helping hand, but 3-0 up at the break, they were fantastic held off a bit of Chelsea pressure in the second half. This is three really important points and an egg on the face of Graham Potter. Yeah, not just Graham Potter. I think a few pundits and a few in the media might have a bit of egg on the face because the sort of narrative before the game was Graham Potter, who built that team, who knows that team inside out, he's going to go there and he's going to, you know, he'll have all the answers to, to beating that team. And it couldn't have been further from the truth. They were never in the game. And as you said, you know, 3-0 at half time and, You've got to give credit to Brighton. They're doing well. They're sat in eighth position and they've had some big results. And, you know, I, I know you can't look too much into it from the Graham Potter side of things because he's only been in the job a little while and he, he has been doing relatively well at Chelsea. You know, it's just not like he's had a, a string of bad results or whatever. But, yeah, it was a bit of a shocker, that one, because I think the, the whole sort of suggestion was he's going to go there and, and have this performance where you know because he knows these players he's going to be able to just sort of <laughs> take his Chelsea team there and get an easy like you just said a bit of a stroll and it, was anything, it wasn't that at all and I think that it's easy to focus on Potter and on Chelsea but you've got to give credit to Brighton yes okay there's a couple of own goals whatever but they're forcing that issue they're making that happen and Brighton are a team that I said this a few years ago on, on this podcast that everyone likes Brighton because what happened with Brighton is they played nice football and you usually beat them and it was like, <laughs> oh, the nice. They came, you know, like oh, a good Norwich. Kind yeah, of. They, they did it Old Trafford. They came in, we, you know, they played well, and they beat, and we beat them four one or whatever. And then this season, they've come to Old Trafford. They've beat us. They've beaten Chelsea. They've had some good results. They're playing nice football and getting results as well. And they've also lost a couple of players. They've done that thing that Brighton do of selling players. They've gone again, and they've they've, they've done well. And I think you've got to, you know, give them respects. It's not just about how bad Chelsea were or the Graham Potter story. It's also how well Ch uh, Brighton have done. And, you know, they're still up there in eighth and they're playing good football along the way. Uh, before we move on, Nat, I want to ask you about Leandro Trossard. He got the ball rolling for Brighton with a goal inside the first five minutes. He's the top scorer in midfielder in the Premier League so far this season. And after wow. Potter went to Chelsea, there was links that he might want to take him with him. He's someone that maybe even a Manchester City might be looking at. And he's exactly the type of player, the position that he plays, the skill set that he's got, that teams will be looking at him and thinking... Can he make the step up? Is he one of the best players outside the top four, top six? Brighton will probably fight tooth and nail to keep hold of him. But he's the type of player that you think, hmm, interesting. And could he do it 
Champions League football pushing for major honours. Yeah, yeah, I think he definitely could. I definitely think he's one of the best players outside of the top four right now. I saw him up close and personal when Brighton were at the Etihad um, a few weeks ago and he was fantastic that day. I mean, Brighton were fantastic that day. Very, very rare does anybody have more possession than City in a game, especially at home. And, you know, Brighton did that day. I think he, he's a, it's, you know, an extremely skillful player. He's clearly a really intelligent player as well. And he had a great finish yesterday. I mean, great goal yesterday for him. I really hope Brighton holds on to him um, you know they, like Jay said they lost a few of their big players in the summer um, and they are a really likeable team because they play really good football and they bring it to you and um, you know I enjoyed the match when, when we were at City and obviously they've uh, you know they've done it against Chelsea yesterday and very very you know, rightly so deservedly so for them so I, I think Trossard I think Gross I'm a big Pascal Gross fan as well I really like him um, they've got some really good players and yeah I think you know I hope they hold on to them but I definitely think Trossard could do it in the Champions League and I was completely distracted there because I thought you said they deservedly got the three points which I thought you were stealing Jay's cheesy pun there but uh, Roberto De Zerbi first, uh, <laughs> first three points as Brighton boss and he was delighted uh, he was deservedly I can't make anything out of that he was very pleased at the end of the game uh, Graham Potter was not very pleased because Chelsea on the back of their heaviest defeat since he took over in terms of the table Chelsea in six 21 points and Brent, uh, Brighton even do nudge themselves up to eighth they've got 18 points right so that's five of the weekend's premier league games in the bag we're going to grab another break and we're going to be reviewing the remainder in part three football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. We are wrapping up the remaining Premier League action this weekend and we're going to stick on the South Coast. Before the break, we talked about Brighton getting themselves a fantastic win over Chelsea. Just a little bit down the coast, Bournemouth were very, 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 very close to an excellent result against Spurs. But, Jay, they were turned over. 3-2 to Spurs. Rodrigo Bentancourt getting a brilliant goal late on. Three points for Antonio Conte. And this is three Premier League defeats in a row for Gary O'Neill. We talk about sweet spots, we talk about sliding doors in the Premier League all the time. Rewind a month or even two or three weeks, everything was rosy for Gary O'Neill. Logic was starting to kick in that it wasn't just heart over head saying that he should get the job on a permanent basis. This is a really sticky spell for them. They lost a derby to Southampton, they lost to West Ham and now this against Spurs. Could this have a big impact on whether or not he does get the job on a full-time basis? Yeah, I mean, it, there's a good chance it could, you know, to to go 2-0 up at home and then I think, you know, what was it, 35 minutes ago or whatever, then they, they concede two and then obviously the, 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 the late winner by uh, Benson Kerr, it is pretty soul-destroying, it is a little bit of a rut and I spoke to you, I think the last time I was on here we were talking about Gary O'Neill and I said there was that thing with Ollie where he had that amazing run when he was caretaker and then the wheels came off. And the second half, I mean, it was actually ironically once we made him permanent manager. It is easy to have that new manager bump or that bump. And then when it starts going wrong, you know, it can go horribly wrong. I do like Gary O'Neill and I think they have been a little bit unlucky. I know no one likes to use the word luck in football, but I was at West Ham a few weeks ago, the week ago. They, had, they were a little bit hard done by, I think, with VAR. 
but you know when you're two 0 up at home to a Spurs get, uh, side who can be vulnerable and are a bit all over the gaff at the minute, then you've got to be picking up at least something out of that game. So yeah, it, it may be one of those where the owners are looking at going, is he really the right guy for the job? Um, incredibly frustrating, difficult afternoon for him, um, especially when it looks so so good. They've got, I think you said, is it Leeds away next? Um, which that that's that's a massive game in it. Do you know what I mean? You see, you know, we spoke about how Leeds have had a terrible run and then that big result. Bournemouth having a bit of a tricky, sticky spot, uh, sticky patch. Sorry, yeah, I think that that could be a big deciding factor in in how not only how Gary O'Neill's future pans out, but how the, the Bournemouth season pans out. Because I know it's quite early, but those are the types of games against teams that are struggling where. You know, it can be sort of a make or break one for you. Uh, we're going to move on to Newcastle 4, Aston Villa nil. Apologies, Newcastle fans, because we're not going to touch on you in detail because an impressive home win has actually become pretty <laughs> standard for the Magpies in the last few weeks. But the big stat for them at the end of the weekend is they've got the best defensive record in the Premier League so far, just 10 goals conceded. So, Nat, I want to talk about Aston Villa instead because 4 0 winners uh, last weekend against Brentford to 4 0 losers. <laughs> this time round. Now, Unai Emre is not expected to take charge until November 1st. His first game in charge will be against Manchester United. And based on the fact that they've flipped from a 4-0 win to a 4-0 defeat, he's going to be a busy, busy man. What are the most important things that he needs to address when he finally takes charge? Well, it's their poor defending at the minute, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're really, really poor defending. Um, you know, it, it's not just one game against Manchester United as well. It's two games. You know, they've got them in the league and then they've got them in the Carabao Cup. And, you know, it pains me to say, I'm sure Jay's smiling, but I think it's a really bad time to play United. They are in really, really good form um, at the minute. Um, having said that, maybe that is a good game to come into for, for Unai Emery because, you know, I don't think anybody's really going to be expecting them to take anything from that game. But their defending is just really shocking at the minute. And I almost feel feel a bit sorry for Tyrone Mings because I thought he was brilliant last year and I thought he fully deserved his place in the England team you know last year I don't think he does now and I think he's going to end up missing out on the World Cup you know due to some really bad form this season um, I know we're focusing on Villa but I just want to big up the Callum Wilson World, World Cup train that's starting to you know to come along now um, I'm fully on board I think Callum Wilson is in the form of his life and I think he deserves to go to the World Cup yeah, I think form plays a big, big part in uh, those last-minute calls for uh, for the England squad. And Ivan Tony has, uh, has maybe slipped down a little bit as much as Jay myself. Yeah, man, it's, we've calls. been on the Tony bustles, haven't we? Um, but it's, he's been, uh, well, he's banned now, lads. Did you see? He got a card yeah, yesterday, yeah, so he's banned yeah. in the next game. You know, the game before Southgate's choosing the, the squad. It's, it's he's had a shocker. Margins, isn't it? And I think that could end up costing him. Mm. Sliding doors, sliding doors again. Uh, right, we're going to move on to uh, the final few games. Crystal Palace won Southampton nil, third straight home Premier League win for Patrick Vieira's side, Jay. But from Southampton's perspective, they've kind of been steady battling the last couple of weeks. They've got themselves an important win against Bournemouth in midweek and draws in West Ham and Arsenal either side of that. This is their first defeat in four. He is technically second in behind Jesse March in the sack race list. But there doesn't seem to be the same pressure around him. You think of the managers that have already gone. Marsh is under pressure. Brendan Rodgers is constantly under pressure. Brav Hartsonoodle seems to be a little bit away from that. But it won't take long for that to change. 
You know my thoughts on uh, Ralph Hasenhutl. I think it's one of those, like, you know, those footballing myth things like PSG only play at night or whatever. I think he will never, ever get sacked. I think he will be there forever. There's I think there's two there. of him. That's what I think. Yeah, I think it's like, we, we have this conversation, him. me and you. I think we've had it every, ever since he arrived. And, you know, we've spoke, we spoke twice after 9-0 defeats and he doesn't lose his job. <laughs> the guy is just golden. He's the safest manager in the Premier League. Trust me, he's going nowhere. Okay, uh, he's got a ringing endorsement from Jay to keep his job, particularly between uh, between now and the World Cup. Uh, we're going to keep going uh, with the remaining games from Saturday. Now, Brentford won, Wolves nil. Diego Costa getting up to his old tricks with a red card before he's actually managed to score a Premier League goal. He's now got himself a great big holiday. He's banned Ooh. until after the World Cup, so he won't be playing again. Uh, he might be off partying or or up to some sort of nonsense. But you get the sense. You know, we touched on Ivan Tony a second ago. Thomas Frank and Brentford happy to just get to the World Cup they're one of them teams who just get to the World Cup regroup recharge the batteries and and hopefully come strong again in, in 2023 Steve Davis at Wolves we know that he's going to be in charge until after the World Cup a point each no one's going to be shouting about this but they, they, they both want the World Cup, both teams, both sets of managers, so they can just kind of get themselves back in gear. Yeah, he's stolen a point from Wolves as well there, Fergal. It was Brentford won Wolves won as well because they got the goal, what was it, two minutes after Brentford had scored? Did Wolves equalise, I think it was, or something less than that? Um, but yeah, I can't I can't say I, I watched the, um, the highlights in detail on this one. However, um, Diego, like I say, Diego Costa, up to his old tricks. If you're going to sign Diego Costa, this is the sort of thing you have have to expect uh, six games for him no goals and a red card although I did see a mad statistic that apparently that's his first red card in the Premier League which just seems crazy oh, he's as bulletproof as Harsenhutl apparently Jay I swear I, I, I read that somewhere which seems nuts because obviously his reputation precedes him but you know absolutely ridiculous a headbutt or whatever he did to Ben Mee he just saw red didn't he but I really do think that you know he's up to his old tricks again and that is what you expect when you sign um, Diego Costa but yeah it does feel a bit like that for I agree with you Fergal for Brentford and Wolves just you know getting to the World Cup however we like we just mentioned Ivan Tony misses the next game paper thin margins totally agree that might cost him his, you know Callum Wilson plays scores again in Newcastle's next game that might cost him his place Again, it's just this strange metric that we're looking through because we've obviously got a winter World Cup to to factor in, but that is uh, increasingly coming up on the horizon. Final game and uh, dutifully a nil-nil. Fulham nil, Everton nil, Jay. Fulham going pretty steady as it stands. They've been impressive in the last few weeks uh, under Marco Silva. Eight points in their last four games. Frank Lampard said Everton were okay at full time they got uh, just one Premier League away win so far this season a point on the road is not the worst result but it is all just a bit meh I uh, I, I missed your Frank Lampard Twitter post game interview you didn't do it this week no I, I only, <laughs> I, I, I only I, no I only do it when he loses usually and I, I didn't do it when we beat him then people were tweeting me going where's your Frank Lampard thing so I did one with uh, the rhyming slang um, can I be honest with you completely honest I watched this game. Why? I don't know why, but it was on. And I was like, I know. And this is what my missus was like. She's like, what are you watching? I was like, Fulham, Everton. She's like, really? Um, and I can't remember anything, really, about this game. <laughs> I did watch it. I think there was a Mitrovic incident where he nearly got, oh, he should have got a red. Um, but yeah, it's it's already 24 hours after watching it. It's been sort of banished from the recesses of my memory. Um, so yeah, I think it, all I can gather from that is it was probably one of those nil-nils that was nil-nil for a reason. 
a real uh, humdinger to end the uh, the podcast. Just a quick <laughs> bit of breaking news. Uh, Mikhail Arteta has said that he does expect Bukayo Saka to be fit for England for the World Cup. He was taken off early in Arsenal's 5-0 win over Nottingham Forest, but the signs do look positive that Saka will be OK. So from a boring 0-0 to a little bit of happy news for Bukayo Saka. We're going to call it a day for uh, the edition of the Football Social Daily. Nat, great to have you back. Great to be back. Jay, you're always here, so it's just great to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) It's opposite, Nat's here for the first time in 18 months. I feel like I'm here every every day. Uh, But uh, it is always great to have you. It's always great to have you on. So, uh, right, that's it for uh, this weekend's edition of the Football Social Daily. The guys will be back tomorrow as normal on Monday. Monday means one thing. It is Moan Day. They'll be having a whinge about (laughs) something that's gone on in the Premier League over this weekend. No Monday night action in the Premier League, but it is the final round of Champions League, Europa League and Europa Conference League games in midweek. So don't forget to hit subscribe and you can keep up to date with all the action and we are building up to the World Cup. Thanks for listening and speak to you soon. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.